obviously got to talk about the self-titled debut album and this pandemic and how that all worked into it and get your opinion on a couple things and uh, no way to well, just- not talk about the pandemic, but take me back to a year ago in Dirty Honey and how it affected Dirty Honey. You guys had your seat assignments, everything all ready to fly to Australia and then bam, the lockdown hits. That's true. Yes, everything halted to a ceasefire uh, in a matter of days before we were supposed to leave. And of course, there was a short period of time where we thought it was only going to be a short period of time. And then it became a longer period of time and a longer. And basically, slowly, everything we had booked for the year uh, was canceled. So it didn't take long for us to really hunker down and try to make um, a better record than we would have had we gone to Australia uh, as scheduled. Really cool that you were able to still make it happen. You were still able to work with Nick, recorded it in L.A., and, and did it over Zoom. Talk about that process. Uh, well, one of the the real functioning app that really makes it work actually isn't Zoom. It's, um, it's a plug-in for Pro Tools made by Audio Movers called uh, Listen To. Oh. And that that's really what makes it really work because that sends a, a feed from our Pro Tools out over the interwebs straight to Nick in his studio and he's listening in real time. And then he's also able to send a signal back to us, which is his talk back. The Zoom just gave us video confirmation, which was helpful, of course, but we turned the audio off Zoom. So that was more just, you know, for, so we could see him. But um, the audio movers allowed us to, you know, it was like he was in the room. He, when he talked back, he would, he would be in our headphones. And I had a talkback mic right at my booth, and everyone did. So he was really there. He was in your cans, and he, you know, he, he was watching you. It was pretty seamless, and that surprised me. Um, of course, it would be slightly better if he had been in the room. But I don't know is that we lost any uh, quality to the recording at all, actually, as a result of him not being there. It's cool to hear about that plug-in because I was thinking about, man, over Zoom, are you really getting like the full like audio quality and everything? So it's cool to learn that there was a plug-in. And I imagine working with him on the EP kind of made things easier. You guys already kind of had your own language set up, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of the lure of, of returning to a producer that, you, that you've worked with before and especially one that you've succeeded with. And we had such great, surprising success with the first EP that I think it it just made sense to continue on with him for this EP. And especially, we weren't looking to reinvent our wheel. And in fact, we were looking to expand on the first statement we had made. So I think it was only logical to stick with him. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, but a lot of people would have bailed. I think it was Scorpions or somebody was working remotely with their producer, and I think they finally just gave up on trying to do that because they were running into too many problems. But who knows? But glad that you were able to work it out. who knows? And even cooler that we finally get an album after the EP. Was it a big decision or was it always a plan to do an album? And I love that it's like old school, eight songs, 30 minutes long. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, of course, I think uh, we would have loved to have had more tracks that passed the test, but our test is pretty picky. So eight, eight was the one where we felt like there was all killer and no filler. And we've kind of decided that filler isn't something we need in our in our generation. There's no there's nothing to fill. There's no you don't have to fill space on a side B or anything. So I think we finished 12 songs. You know, we just felt eight sounded like a banging batch of songs. Eight um, singles. So, yeah, that's kind of how we, we approach it. I mean, I really feel like every one of them is a single, in my opinion, yeah, at least in terms of how 
fun it is and how memorable each one is and each one has its own flavor. I think the fact that, you know, we didn't go to Australia and do it when we did, that allowed us allowed us to work up 12 songs instead of, we would have released less, I, th- I think for sure, had we gone in when we went. So. so had it not been for the pandemic, we might have been looking at a six song album? Five it songs. might have been a short one, yeah. Who knows, because you never know, we had a lot of seedlings, but we would have just been on a, you know, a time crunch to, to get it done. But it's crazy, man. You know, it's all six one way and half dozen the other, I think, because we would have had two weeks down there, whereas actually we ended up having, you know, four more months to write music. And then <laughs> because we were recording air, we only had six days in the studio. So we, wow. you know, we did 12, 12 songs in six days. Damn, burning uh, through them. Yeah, I mean, we really did. And I think on the first EP we did, I think we came out with seven songs in 12 days. <laughs> the machine is, is well more oiled now, I think. So I think the process is just to keep going, you know, just to keep uh, keep honing our, our our process, you know. So, I mean, I did, just today I was in uh, my my home studio working up another demo. So I love it. Love it. More, more time means more music. And, you know, speaking of the album, coming out on your own label, right, Dirt Records, and talk about the decision to not go after a major. I mean, I'm sure after the EP success, you had every single major knocking at your door, but you guys are sticking to the indie route. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it just the, the offers weren't right, the offers that we did get. And um, I think we went for the majors actually earlier before the success of the record really showed. And then we, we had an offer from one major and it just what by the time the record was successful and it just wasn't right. And by that time, there were signs that this was going to be, you know, something that people really want to come see. And we've always believed in ourselves in terms of delivering the show, not only as good as the record, but with more energy and, and more, uh, you know, just reckless cavalier rock and roll goodiness. So <laughs> I think we believed in that the whole time. So then we could start to see the writing on the wall, the people are going to show up. So then it became a matter of, well, why get more cooks in the kitchen right now when the money is starting to look better? In other words, we're starting to be able to, except for the pandemic, we're starting to be able to pay for things on our own. Is there any cool story behind the, the name Dirt Records or did just one of the guys throw that out? So back in the day, our, our manager was known as Dirt. Um, and ah. in the industry, he's, um, I hate saying that term, in the industry. <laughs> but in the biz, uh, in the biz, he's got quite a history uh, dating back to the early 80s where he started in radio as a DJ. Ah. Um, I, think, I think he actually kind of modeled his vibe off early um, Howard, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so he, he made his name there, and then he went to record promotion. He was working at Geffen, and he was just kind of a ball buster and a tough guy, hockey player from New Jersey. So he got this nickname, Dirt. And with us being called Dirty Honey and us being free to make up our own name, we just called it Dirt, which I was appropriate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been loving it, been playing the hell out of California Dreaming, and I always have to remind people when I'm starting to introduce a song, like, hey, this isn't a Mamas and Papas cover. This is a brand new song. But <laughs> I know. Killer tune, killer video, and a blazing guitar solo from you in that one, dude. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I really wanted to straddle the line between... A little angry and ripping, and then also just uh, kind of grooving, you know, dirty, dirty <laughs> bar grooving. <laughs> I always approach every guitar solo sort of song specific. I always think, what does this song need? And then I just follow my ears, whatever my imagination comes up with. I love the uh, the video with the doorway opening and kind of seeing into the next picture and all that. Whose idea, who came up with that? Uh, Mark came up with that, the singer. 
brilliant idea. Yep. It makes for a great video. And uh, one of the other new songs that we just got tied up, another rocker. And I noticed some female vocals at the end of that. Who Who's screaming at the end of that tune? Uh, that's a singer that I've worked with in the past named uh, Shoshana Bean. Never heard of her before, but sounded great. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's an incredible, incredible singer. Super high range, super elastic. Was there any thought? I mean, who who came up with the idea? Was it was it Nick saying, you know, we could use a female part right here? Or was it your idea since it was your friend? No, I think it was our, uh, I think it was Mark's idea to put him on that song. I introduced her to Mark a long time ago when we self-produced our own version of Down the Road. You know, actually when we had different band members, and I was like, oh man, we need female vocals on this. I know the chick. Kind of ever since then. Now we've know that we have that option whenever it seems appropriate. Got to do it. And you were talking earlier about solos, and I was going to ask you kind of about that. Is is there one particular solo on this album that was a real bitch and gave you a real hard time, or is there one that you kind of like patting yourself on the back? Like, I, I think I kicked ass on that one because there's so many ripping solos, like California Dreaming, I mean, Gypsy, so many. Is there one that stands out for you? I really love the Gypsy one. It just has a great mix of kind of anthemic, blazing, groove. But the solo on The Morning actually took a while for me to figure out how to do it right, like which way to go. And the ending result ended up being real kind of you shook me all night long, <laughs> Angus inspired. And so I'm really proud of it. And I used a 66, I think, or a 65, 335 on it. And now every time I listen back to it, I really kick myself because that tone is so amazing and i wish i used it on more solos <laughs> yeah it's just so good i don't know if you heard that track but yeah i've heard just got them all and, and listened to them all and they're yeah. all great but I, now that begs the question what are you going to do when you got to play that solo on the road i mean are you going to buy one of those guitars now or are you going to what are you going to do how are you going to replicate that sound on the road oh man you know you just play the whole show with one guitar i mean it, you can't hear it but suddenly the record has a lot of different guitars on it i think actually the solo on tied up was recorded with a 50s telly. The rhythm guitar part was recorded with a 50s Les Paul Jr., which was amazing. Yeah, that was kind of the gamut. And then I used my Les Paul on a lot of the guitar parts. You know, speaking of uh, touring, you guys were really fortunate in the fact that you got finished your first headlining tour right at the end of February, right at home, just before the lockdown. Perfect timing in, in that regard, not so much for the album, but at least for the tour, you were able to get that in. But are there tour dates starting to book now? It seems like we're, we're kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Are we going to do some headlining shows or support or both? Or what's kind of the game plan for touring? I think there's some game plan for both. Probably the headlining ones have more of a chance of happening because right now we have a smaller production to wind up. So right. we can jump out for like short runs. If the big runs are available, there's a pretty nice opening slot that I, I think would be a really exciting lineup for anyone who's a fan of us and a fan of this other band. So I can't announce it, but, you know, it's definitely a to be decided by basically states opening up. But um yeah, there's contingency plans for sort of all of the above, and, and we're hopeful, of course. I'm kind of just hunkering down and hanging out in my studio and waiting for someone to call and say, it's booked. <laughs> it's time. It's go time. You know, yeah, I don't want to cross my fingers too hard. Speaking of uh, a touring and, and looking in the rearview mirror, since we got no shows to look forward to, you guys got to play a ton of shows with Slash and the Conspirators as well as GNR and talk about that experience and did you get to hang out with Slash? Any guitar tips, advice, any time with Slash alone and talk about touring with him? <laughs> oh man, I wish. 
no. <laughs> he was thankful by the end of the run, and he showed his thanks by, you know, rebooking us many times. He showed us in his own way that he was really supportive. Miles himself was very supportive, as well as uh, Brent and um, the guys. They would wear our shirts on stage, and they made sure to give us props, like kind of extra props during their set when we opened, and they brought us out price on like 10 or 12 shows. So that alone really showed us that he, he really appreciated us. And he did he did actually voice his thank yous to uh, Corey and Mark, but Justin and I happened to be running around the venue somewhere else, so we missed that moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty big bummer. The guitar god. But I know, dude. It's just, it, what can you do? But we weren't there for that second. And um, it was an amazing experience and obviously a pinch me moment. And, uh, you know, nothing kind of tops the first one in right. terms of that freaking out experience and i think sound checking was the big one for me when i was sound checking and realizing that slash was already in the building and could hear me i think that was really that was a real trip for me you know yeah i totally love it and you know speaking of guitars and guitar players and icons and and legends i mean got to get your thoughts on on the late great eddie van halen and rest in peace and i imagine his playing had a big impact on you it really did and it's interesting because I didn't pick up on the tapping and stuff as much. I didn't really shed on that. I just love the band so much, and I love his vibe so much with how he plays that stuff. It's shred, but it's still rock and roll, and I hear a lot of swing. He was just a big influence, and I actually, uh, when I got the news that he had passed, a couple friends immediately hit me up and were like, are you okay, are you okay, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'm fine, you know, whatever. And then I got in the car and I went to the grocery store and um, I just started bawling. And uh, I don't think I've really done that over uh, a hero who's passed yet. And uh, it was pretty it was pretty impactful. I sat in the grocery store parking lot and just sort of cried it out for a while. It's, it's a big, big part of your life. He's a big part of just guitar playing. And it was really crazy that he passed away. So Yeah, I, I, I had that, that tearful time in the car as well, listening to music. And, you know, I love what you touched on. I mean, so much is made about Eruption and his playing and everything, but he was a hell of a songwriter, too. I mean, he could just lay back and write a song. It wasn't all just shredding. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first read the Slash book, he sort of echoed the same thing, and it kind of affirmed me. I think he said something like, I never learned the Van Halen tricks, but I, I'm in love with the band Van Halen and the sound. And I I, I, I totally agree. And I love Eddie's spirit. And, and you know, it, it sort of exemplified everything he is in his solo on Beat It. You can hear him turning the guitar up. His fingers kind of wind up, hit the strings, <laughs> and he just goes for it. He does all his tricks. It's totally shooting from the hip, and then he's done. He doesn't ask for any money, you know. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just he's amazing. They've got their own genre, which is like swinging, happy, heavy metal. <laughs> I don't know, it's, just, it's unheard of. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a bummer when he passed. You know, just to put a button on it, do you want to uh, pick a Van Halen tune for us to play? Can you play uh, Beautiful Girls? Love it. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. And, John, I appreciate all the time. One last one for you. One other thing that I need Go your ahead. help on. We're one of those old school radio stations. We still do mandatory Metallica. So I wanted to dig okay. into your your Metallica fandom and, and your uh, appreciation for them and maybe even a song from them. Okay. You know, we recently, last uh, well, not last year anymore, I guess, 2019, we were on the road, and we all piled into a car, and we went, it was after sound check, and we went to a nearby burrito place. Somebody put on And Justice For All, 
And I just realized, I was like, wow, this the riffs on this, the tone, the writing. I was like, this is a classic that'll always sound amazing when you put it on. It'll sound amazing in 100 years. Like, they, they struck that timeless sound. I mean, for me, you know, the song won. I remember seeing that music video in the 90s. That's just an epic, amazing piece. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and as for as heavy it is, it's really jazzy at parts, too, especially in the beginning. I know, right? Just like soft guitar and like, yeah, his guitar solos are kind of dainty. And it's kind of dramatic. It's amazing. And then gets into the double bass at the end and landmine and all that stuff. It, yeah, right. I didn't go the deep dive on them, you know, but they're always going to be a staple name in their genre. Beautiful, John. Thank you so much for the time and the great music, and hopefully we'll see you out on the road sooner than later. Hey, thanks, Mike. Hopefully we will, man. We'll give you a shout-out when we do and get you a ticket or something. I'd love that, man. Thank you so much for the time, and best of luck with the album, bro. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.